Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Today is the last Sunday after Pentecost, and we find ourselves on the threshold of a new liturgical year, and the very potent seasons of birth and death, of incarnation and resurrection coming up. Next week is the beginning of Advent in our preparation for Christ's Nativity. Then after that, we have Epiphany and Lent and Pascha and Pentecost. And then we settle back into ordinary time for a while until we do it all over again. There is more required of us in these coming days. More fasting, more church services, more prayer, more confession, more giving. There is an acute praxis of our Christian life. As we stand in this threshold today, preparing to enter into this intensified liturgical season... The church directs our attention through this gospel to an apocalyptic warning of Jesus that Matthew records. Now, we don't much like apocalyptic warnings, besides being rather gloomy and pessimistic. They don't seem very practical, unless, of course, you're living through the apocalyptic event that you're being warned about. But if that is what we think, we would be wrong, because... These warnings, which are sprinkled throughout the Gospels, are intensely practical and important for us to hear, regardless of the times we live in. In today's Gospel, Jesus warns of the coming tribulation. He says it's going to be the worst the world has ever seen. It's all very frightful and ominous when you read the passage. And yet, in the midst of this threatening and fearful warning... There is, and we shouldn't miss, the promise of hope. He says that the angels of heaven will gather together the elect when the Lord comes in great power and glory. The main point that I want us to focus on this morning is this radical juxtaposition between that which is passing away and that which will remain. The first is a lie. The second is what is true. The first is a phantom. The second is real. For the elect, hopefully all of us here today, the headline in this warning is not tribulation. That's not the headline, although he spends most of his time warning about the tribulation. For us, the headline is glory. It is hope. It is everlasting life. The reason the tribulation is not the pole star, the center, the focus, And herein lies our takeaway this morning. The reason that the tribulation is not the focus is because the tribulation comes and goes. And it will be no more. It will pass out of existence as if it never was. There will come, there will come an eternal day in which no one will have any remembrance of any tribulation, suffering or evil. It will all quite literally be as if it never existed. 
That's our hope. That's our revelation. To have this understanding, this revelation now, in this life, on this side of the veil, while we are all living through some level of tribulation in this corrupt world, this is a great accomplishment of faith. It is absolutely necessary for the Christian. So what was Jesus actually predicting in this gospel story? Maybe the events of 70 A.D., when Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed. Maybe the events at the end of human history, probably I would say a combination of both. But whatever he was speaking of, the passage profoundly, as we will see, applies to us. Just as it did to the disciples who heard it from his very lips. He told them that the temple was going to be destroyed. He said that there would be false Christs and false prophets. There would be a lot of deception going on, even the elect might be deceived. There were wars and famines and pestilences and earthquakes. And these, he said, are just the beginning of all the sorrows that will take place. He told them, you will be killed. You will be betrayed. You will be hated by all nations. You will betray one another. He says, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. There will be many defections. How could they and how could we not despair after hearing these things? We might ask, is there any hope for the world? Well, the answer is no, there isn't. That's the entire point, actually. There is hope for you, but the world? No hope. The world is going to be destroyed. That's the point of the message, along with those who cling to it. But Christ tells them, do not be troubled. Now that's kind of funny. The world is going to cave in. Everybody's going to betray one another. All's going to burn. And he says, but don't be troubled. We're going to be murdered, betrayed, and you tell us don't be troubled? Well, yes. You could just hear Christ. Because when the saints talk about these things, this is kind of how they talk when you hear them talk. They're like, yeah. Yeah, don't worry. It's okay. All this stuff has to happen. It's not really that important. These things are going to take place, and they're going to pass. They'll be gone. But I will remain, and you will remain with me, because I will be with you. And that's what's important. The thing that you can stake your life on is this. The kingdom will be preached in all the world, and he who endures to the end will be saved. In the warning, Jesus actually gives an instruction, which is very important. We can take to heart in our own time. He says, if you're on the housetop at the moment of this crisis, don't go back down into the house to get your things. If you're out in the field working, do not go back to the house to get your clothes. This is the crux of the message for us today. We must, first of all, see ourselves in the midst of this crisis, as he puts it, in this apocalyptic warning. Every day, every moment of our lives, from birth to death, we live in this moment. Our life is this moment of crisis. And the rule for survival that Jesus gives in this passage is run, flee. Do not become attached to the things that are going to be destroyed because if you become entangled with them, 
you may not be able to get unentangled, and you could end up getting destroyed with them. That's the crux of the message. This world is not your home. This world is not your friend. This world is passing away, and it will be destroyed. It is permeated by death. It is ridden with mold. When you get mold in your house, you just got to burn the thing down. Mold and toxins. And he said the world will be burned. It will be burned. But God has prepared a place for you. An eternal place. Which is more real than anything you can imagine. A new heavens and a new earth and a new body. There's a city coming down out of heaven. Whose builder and maker is God. Your citizenship is in that heavenly city. And your gaze and your hope. Should be directed and oriented Towards that inheritance for which we wait. That's the positive side of it. But there's a negative side as well. While still in this body. There's a negative side. We must purposefully, deliberately, intentionally detach from the world. We must kill the affections for things. Those things which will be destroyed and set our affections on eternal things. We must engage in ascesis while in this world. This is the ubiquitous warning throughout the gospel. Again and again we hear it. And why? Because there is such force of deception which blinds so many of us and convinces people to board a train that is headed over a cliff to certain destruction. That's the definition of a fool. He who has not seen clearly and discerned the truth of things. To be enticed by false hopes. He talks about false hopes in this passage too. When he's talking about the many false Christs. The Messiahs. You know the Messiah. That person who comes to bring hope. He says there will be many false Messiahs. Many false prophets who will deceive. Possibly even the elect. Saying oh over here. Over here. He's in this secret place. He's out here. Trying to lure you away from the center. From what really matters. Jesus says, do not follow them, they will deceive you. He says, I will come suddenly from the heavens, like a flash of lightning. And those who are prepared and awaiting him, and not entangled in the world, they will be caught up to meet him. Our reading ends with Jesus saying that heaven and earth will pass away. Once again, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. You know, we're all afraid. That's our problem. We're full of fear. We're a fear of the passing away, the loss of ourselves, essentially afraid of death. That's the deceit that we try and preserve and save ourselves by clinging to the very thing that's going to destroy us. We associate ourselves too much with our corrupt bodies and their appetites and desires and needs our possessions, our emotional satisfaction, our prestige, our bodily comforts. We cling to these things, try to preserve them. We do everything we can to fill our barns with them. All at the same time, we fear death. And the fear of death keeps us, traps us in this bondage of bodily, fleshly, worldly passion and desire. We fail to see the world really for what it is.
People sit at the table of the world thinking they're enjoying uh, a meal from that uh, great uh, Michelin star chef, Joel Rubichon, when in reality, they're just lapping up vomit like dogs. I apologize for the graphic language, but the scriptures and the great apostle uses this kind of language, not to offend us, but because it's a matter of life and death. So many people are sleepwalking right over the cliff, and we need to be woken up. Now, maybe you're not lapping up vomit like a dog. I hope you're not. But if you're not, you probably know somebody who is. So use the image, use the metaphor to spur you on with some zeal to pray for the world and for the conversion of the world. When we see with the eyes of faith our elder brother, Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, when we see him there upon his throne shining in all his glory, we understand and know there is no death. There is no death for us. And thus no fear. We see what is real and what is true and what will remain. And we know that we cannot lose ourselves. We have already, we have already freely lost everything for the sake of Christ. What else can we lose? We have already died with him in baptism. The only fear that we should have is a good, holy, reverent fear of God himself. This for us is freedom it is stability, it is power. And that power is the peace which passes all understanding. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.